This episode of The Hearst Show is brought to you by Knack, the best backpacks for working from anywhere. Stay tuned to later in the show to find out how you can obtain a free gift with your purchase. From the Empty the Bench Podcast Network, it's time for The Hearst Show. And on today's show, Nickelodeon star Jeff Sutphin with your host, Kyle Hershon. And now, here's Hirsch. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to season two, numero dos, of The Hearst Show. We're here, right here in our, we have a studio now. This is, well, this is green screen, <laughs> but we're so excited to welcome you back to a brand new season of interviews, guests, lots of surprises along the way. And as uh, also always, I want to thank my producer, Nick Morgison of the Empty the Bench Network for bringing me on uh, to be part of their new podcasting network. There's a whole bunch of shows that you should definitely check out along the way. Uh, I'll put those in the description of this video below. Uh, but today is a very special day for my first episode back for season two. We're dealing with uh, a guy who has been on television for many, many years. Uh, if you were a kid like me back in the early 2000s, uh, you definitely know him from You Pick Live as the Pick Boy. You know him from Brain Surge and Figure It Out and on ABC's 101 Ways to Leave a Game Show. My guest is, of course, the wonderful Jeff Sutfin, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> uh, that was a great intro. You know, I, I, Kyle, I think I might have you over to my house like every day. When I wake up to come downstairs to make breakfast, I could I could wake up to that every day. I, I am a, like, did I did I really do all that stuff? I was trying to think like I think he might just be making stuff up. Maybe, uh, but, who knows? But Kyle, thank you so much for having me on your show. Um, this is actually really good for me because my New Year's resolution was to do more stuff with people named Kyle. Oh, uh, really? So this is working out great for me. Uh, you're helping me achieve my New Year's resolution. Well, that's very great that I'm able to help achieve your goals this year. Uh, now, now, Jeff, I, I got to ask right now, uh, what are you doing at this point uh, in your career? I haven't really seen you on camera as much as uh, I'd like to. Um, I understand that you've been working uh, with a really cool kid named Ryan. That's right. Um, yeah, so... The uh, I, I've always loved hosting. I, I before I was a host, I was uh, I started in production, that was my first love. I still love producing, and it was one of these things that, uh, through a series of happy accidents, I ended up in front of the camera while I was hosting stuff. I still was a producer uh, on a lot of the projects I was hosting, but also just in between seasons and stuff, I would pick up uh, other production jobs. Uh, so when the tides kind of turned with hosting and it became very celebrity driven and I wasn't getting as many hosting jobs, I really turned a lot of my attention back into the producing realm. Uh, and I most recently finished up, uh, the, I guess it was technically season five, but they call it four B of, uh, Ryan's mystery play date on Nick jr. Where I was the executive producer showrunner. Uh, for that show, which we ultimately did a, a grand total of 90 episodes. Um, wow. There's a possibility we do more, but we're just, you know, we're in the, the waiting game now to find out if there's going to be a new season. So uh, it's been awesome. I love, I love working in TV, whether I'm hosting, whether I'm producing. Uh, my goal is to have fun on camera or behind the camera. Cause I think if you can have fun at work, it translates to on camera. So um 
all the the zippy one-liners that I may used to use to say as a host, I just say, hey, Ryan, say this. And Ryan says it for me now. So (laughs) if if you do uh, have kids or you have ever watched an episode of Ryan's Mystery Playdate and you listen and watch, you'll kind of, you know, my humor, you very much can see the very direct correlation between (laughs) the two. Now, now I want to go deeper on this uh, producing background. This is how you actually you you said you actually started as a producer, not a host. Now, uh, where exactly did you begin this uh, career in producing? Because I'm a producer myself. You know, doing news is very different from, you know, reality and unscripted shows. Uh, So I want to hear more about this producing background. Uh, So I I knew from a very young age uh, when I was in high school that I really liked Hey, this is something I want to do. Uh, I want to work in TV. And so when I went looking for colleges, I made sure that they had communication programs. I went to college at Marist College in Poughkeepsie, New York, mm-hmm. uh, studied TV, radio, film, and then right out of college, jumped into the workforce. And I started as a PA at VH1 and worked various jobs, you know, as a freelancer, kind of floated through the company. And then uh, was at a point where I started um, kind of climbing the ladder, but in a direction that wasn't bad. It just wasn't what I wanted to do. I started to kind of, I was going to move in a direction that felt a little more administrative. And I like to be boots on the ground, you know, out in the field, uh, getting it done. So um, I ended up finding another job that took me out of the Viacom bubble and put me in a smaller uh, place And I learned a lot there. You know, I became, it was a really small startup type situation. So it was great for me in terms of growing because they were small. So it was one of those things where it's like, well, we need you to do everything. And I was young and ambitious and I was like, great. You know, so I was holding the camera while hosting, while (laughs) doing everything. And it was awesome. I, I got to learn a lot of great things. And then after they dissolved, I ended up back under the Viacom fold. I did some stuff for MTV, but that's, you know, then I ended up at Nickelodeon as a, on you pick live is where I, I was hired originally to be a segment producer. And so when we launched you pick live, they brought me in to be a segment producer. And then right a few weeks before we launched, they said, Hey, we got this idea for this, you know, this character that would be on camera. He would pick kids to go to the prize wall. Or, you know, do you want to be a superhero? I was like, comfortable in full body leotard sign me up so uh so that was really kind of it and then for a majority of you pick live um i was producer by day superhero by night and you know that one thing led to the next and so overall my, my career has been it's been this really weird uh journey uh weird but fun and i think there's been a lot of learning experiences uh through that, because one of the biggest things I've learned, I'm totally rambling now. I apologize. No, you're fine. <laughs> uh, one of the things that I, it was a very hard lesson for me to learn and a very hard thing for me to realize because um, I always thought like, Hey, it, it's an asset to be able to do all these things to, to go, Hey, I can, I can, I can run a camera for you. Hey, I can jump in and, and host that. Hey, I can produce this for you. Um, what, what I was realizing was, People want to put you in a box and go, he's a producer. Don't try and be a host. He's a host. What could you possibly know about producing? 
And so I used to have this resume that showed, oh, you were a producer and a host and a producer and a host and a host on this. And I realized what I had to do is take these resumes and separate them and go, here's a hosting resume and here's a producing resume. If I was getting hired or interviewing for a producer job, I never talked about the hosting unless they asked me if they knew. And, and then if I was interviewing for a host job, I didn't talk about my production background. There are very few people in this business that will look at that and go, that's a huge asset. Um, you know, when I worked with Matt Kunitz on 101 Ways to Leave a Game Show, he knew of my production background and he was, that was awesome. Like he, he would bring me to all the production meetings and we had a, a great working relationship because there was things that I was seeing, like while he was in the control room that he couldn't see while I was out on the field and he would say, Hey, don't, you know, you got to say this. I'm like, and I would be like, I can't say that right now. Cause we don't know that yet because they haven't seen. And, and so it was one of these things that that sort of relationship is great. And then there's people like when I worked on figure it out, they didn't want my production input at all. So that was very much like, Hey, just be the dancing monkey. And, and that's what we want you to do. So it, 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 again, that, that stuff. And even to this day, I still struggle with that at times of going, cause I, I love, I love all of it. I love hosting. I love being an executive producer. And sometimes it's that it, those things can butt heads. Uh, but I just have to just go, okay, I'm still having fun. I'm still getting paid to do something I love. So that's cool. Oh uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, I, I have to do that myself sometimes at work too, you know, cause there, there are times where, in my case, I do news. So there's a lot of times where we have like, you know, most recently with the big snowstorms that have been happening in the area, uh, I've been wanting to assign the stories to some of our reporters like, hey, you go uh, to this gas station where there's a shortage on gas. You go uh, you go to this park where there's an accident. You know, there's a car that turned over from the ice. Uh but, you know, I have to kind of relegate myself like, no, 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 I can't do that. That's the assignment editor's job. The EP has to approve everything that I do. <laughs> but, you know, yeah, you, you know, you always want that creative control. And, you know, that's uh, that's the one great thing about being both a host and a producer is that creative control can benefit in many ways. It depends. Yeah. I mean, there's that's, you know, when people ask me like, Hey, what are the, what do you like better? It, it, it's such a tricky question because there are things that I like very much about being a host. And then there are things I love very much about being an executive producer. Like as an executive producer, you have a ton of creative control and you have a, a, a lot of ability to drive the ship and the creative as a host you might not necessarily have that. You know, you have a bunch of people up top telling you, hey, do it this way, say it this way. No, don't go over there, set it up over here. And so you have, it seems like you have control, but you have less control. Uh, and, and that at times can be a, a, a tricky balance of, you know, hey, and, and, and that's where I think at times it can, it can be, it can be hard, you know, figure it out for me was, was very difficult to host, not because of the, the content, but because it was this pre-existing show that had such a history behind it. And um, the executive producers that were running that were the executive producers who ran the original one. So they were very much saying like, Hey, 
when we did it 15 years ago, we did it like this, try it like that. And, and to me, I, ha- I had to fight my instincts of going, ah, I really want to say it this way or do it this way, but they wanted a certain way. And again, as a, you're a host, this is what you were hired to be. Just be the host. Don't be, turn your producer brain off and just deal with that. And that, and again, like I said, big, big struggle on my side for that. Mm-hmm. Now I want to get back to uh, you pick live your, your first big major gig with Nickelodeon. Um, you got to go everywhere. And I mean, everywhere there, there's pick boy right there. Uh, hanging upside down Your your first uh, big time gig on camera. Yeah. Uh, you got to go so many places. You got to go to the kids choice awards. You got to go to the super. No, no, no. Stay down. Blimp. No, 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 no. no. Blimp. Stay, stay down. Okay, fine. Uh, I'll I'll float blonde. I'll, I'll have one of these. <laughs> it's not real. <laughs> I was say, if you have one. I don't. Only <laughs> <laughs> one. Hit hit Nickelodeon. Yeah, Nickelodeon. Uh, great guy, Nate on Etsy. Get one of these. <laughs> 3D printed. <laughs> um, yeah. So tell me. Uh, you know, you got to go to like the Super Bowl. You got to go to all these places. Not what was that like? You know, were you like being in the suit, doing all these things, talking with some of the biggest stars of the day? I mean, that had to have been a thrill. It was awesome. I, you know, it was one of these things, and I still, even to this day, I haven't, I haven't donned the cape and tights in, in some time. Uh, however, uh, it was always the highlight of my year. Kids' Choice Awards, I loved it. It was, as a kid, I don't understand as a kid how you would be able to control yourself because as an adult going, I was always like, yeah! <laughs> amazing. There was always so much happening and so much to do, and it was always so well put together. And like I said, it was the highlight of my of my year. I love doing Kids' Choice Awards. These are all the, the credentials. Oh, wow. Me. Yeah, look at that. Uh, all those. So I did, I think, I think I did 10, 10 years straight. I did a decade wow. of, of kids choice awards. And then uh, I, I didn't get asked for the 11th year, but then they brought me back to do like another two years in, in different capacities. So I think I did a total, like roughly 12, 11, 12 years. Um, here's what I, rec- here's what I realized very early on with doing um whether it was Kids Choice Awards or anything with the UPIC Live when the celebrities would come by. Yes. If you are in a costume, you can say and do almost anything. <laughs> because let me let me press that. When you're in a yes. costume on a kids show, yes. you can say and do almost anything. <laughs> because it, it was one of these things where the celebrities very quickly understood you're not making fun of me you're the idiot. And, and that's, and, th- and that was one of those things where ki- celebrities understood that and went, ah, I get the joke. I get that you're, you're foolish and you're silly. Um, and so they played along uh, almost, almost 100% of the time they played along. There was a few times, especially the early days of going to the Super Bowls, And I think, again, I think I did about nine of those, Jeez. not consecutive. I did, I think, like two years consecutive. Then I think I did like another six straight. Right. Uh, like after a few years. The reporters there 
either got it or they didn't. And, and I think, and that was the, that again, it took me a while to figure that out. Like, why are they so angry at me? And what I realized was, oh, they think I'm making fun of them and all, mm. all of the pageantry of media day and Super Bowl. And, and what they, and the people that had a problem with what they didn't realize is, you're there to entertain your audience. Do you know your audience? Your audience wants to know about what kind of defense they're going to run and who thinks, you know, are you going to be healthy with that injury? My audience cares about burps and farts. So yes. I ask those sorts of questions. Again, I'm not making fun of you. I'm not making fun of football. I love football. I'm not making fun of the teams, the players. But this is what's this is what my audience wants. And if you can recognize that I'm doing my job, I can recognize you're doing your job. That's fine. Um, and there were times, you know, there was like I said, there were reporters who got it because they had kids or they knew who I was or they saw me there so many years in a row that they were just like, oh, hey, how you do it? And I, I eventually became one of that that press corps. I remember one year I was walking, I was in line waiting to get in, you know, where you got to check your IDs, do the whole metal detector, the whole night. Right. And I was waiting there and there was like a camera guy with a tripod over his shoulder. And he was like across from me and he like looks over and he sees me. He goes, Hey, pick boy. And I look at him, <laughs> Hey, what's up? He goes, how many years is this for you? And like, just so happy, <laughs> just like, you know, hold this equipment. I'm like, ah, I think this is like six for me. He's like, yeah, I think I'm in like, like eight or nine. All right, we'll see you in there. And it was like, that was that moment where I was like, yes. You're, you're in, moment. you got the in crowd. Yeah, I'm like, I'm part of the guy, I'm part of the fraternity. Um, <laughs> you know, so it, it was, there was people, like I said, there was people who got it and were like, yep, he's, we're cool with him. And then there was people who felt like I was making a mockery of it. Now, you know, what Media Day became was 100% because of what, Pick one Nickelodeon. Oh yeah, absolutely. We made it it the circus it is. Um, You know, I'm surprised they never asked you to return as Pick Boy for when they did the wild card games the last two years. You know, know. I know it did kill me that I was like, "Ooh, I really." I'm like, I'm, I'm in. You know, I'm in mid season form. I'll, I'll I'll get that cape on right now. Yeah, Uh, I mean, I mean, but they did a. Heck of a good job uh, oh, the last two years. I love, <laughs> I love Nate Burleson and, and Young oh. Dippin. I think what they do is so good. I mean, it, it actually makes me angry to see how good they are. <laughs> <And> I, <don't laughs> mean that I, I, I mean, I could watch Nate Burleson work all day. He's just yeah. so good at what he does. He's got such a great personality and I mean, honestly, like I, I love him on Good Morning Football. When he left Good Morning Football, I was like, oh, my gosh, this is this is killing me. I love that he still joins on Mondays and Fridays from the CBS desk. Uh, yeah. The fact, the fact that Nickelodeon cashed in on, on utilizing him is just a stroke of genius. And, Absolutely. You know, continued success with with uh, their partnership with the NFL. Uh, I, I'd always be up for, you know, coming back. I 
Speculation, times. speculation. Pick boy returns for the Super Bowl Fifty Seven. <laughs> Started trending right now, you know. Right. Started trend right now. You know what to do. There are there are people out there that will start that trend. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Let's bring pick boy pick boy back for the. Super- I think CBS is broadcasting next year. I don't know. <laughs> we'll find out. <laughs> Even if I'm not, let's do it. Let's do it. Bring pick boy, no matter what. <laughs> uh, so, you know, I always wanted to go see, you know, you pick live in person. I was, uh, I was honestly, I think I was a bit too young to go to the studios. Uh, but, you know, what did you really, you know, as a producer, you picked the kids to, you know, the, do the segments of the prizes. My, my favorite was like the wall of stuff that you like. I think you like pull, the prize wall. Yeah. I think the bucket of bucks or even something, the bucket of yuck. I remember that, you know, in my head. I don't know why. Uh, but like, what kind of qualities did the kids have to have in order to be able to pick from that coveted wall or yeah. do whatever? So, so Kyle, that's a great question. And I don't think I've ever shared this with anybody. Really? Uh, oh, this so, is a first. So this, this is a, this is an exclusive. Ah. Uh, so this part is I, I've shared is that pick boy was originally invented because they couldn't have Brent and Candace pick kids because that would show favoritism. I and see. They, yes. And they couldn't have Brent and Candace read prize copy because that was endorsing. So that's, that was the main pick boy was invented out of legality reasons. Yes. So the main purpose for me was to just jump out and go, I, I pick you. I randomly pick you. That kid would go tell me what door they want. We would pop it out. And then I would read the prize copy. That's pretty well documented. Right. What's not documented is for the longest time, we had an audience coordinator Mm -hmm. and that audience coordinator would off camera behind the scenes. She was the one that would look at everybody and go, I think, you know, I want this kid to go to the prize wall. She had her reasons. You know, some of it was again, Oh, they're not a guest of someone who works in the building and all that crap. So she knew which ones were eligible and which ones had the good personalities. And so then she would tell me and say, Hey, pick the kid in the purple sweater. So great. After a while of doing this, I was like, well, I kind of, I'm, I'm kind of the world's greatest picking superhero. (laughs) Shouldn't I have a say in who I pick? Right. I mean, shouldn't pick boy have the right to pick? And and, then so, and again, I wasn't, this wasn't like an act of defiance. Like I'm not going on TV until I get to pick. But I was like, I get that there's certain kids I can't pick. So instead of telling me the kid to pick, can you tell me which ones I can't pick and allow me the the opportunity? They're like, oh yeah, of course. So now I had the I had the legit power of like because there were kids that were like would go absolutely bananas, and then I was like, like me included. Yeah, and I'm like, I gotta pick the kid in purple because that's who I was told to pick, and he was like sitting there like this while everyone else bananas, and that I think was the main reason. I said, hey, can I start doing this? Because it looks weird that I'm picking the only kid who's not cheering. And, and so there was a few cases where that happened. So they were like, absolutely. And so for me, I was always looking for the kid who was the most excited, uh, the one that during the commercial break seemed to be the most engaged and was laughing and having a good time. Uh and then it never hurt if you came with your own homemade pick boy t-shirt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> kind of like Price is Right. <laughs> like what they do. For of, that. 
There was a few of those. Uh, so that was a pretty much, you know, it got to a point where if someone did that, and of course I'd always pick them, you know, Brent would always be like, gee, I wonder why, you know, live on him, or I wonder why she's going to the prize. Well, I was like, whatever. Uh, so that was really my thing. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of the enthusiasm, the desire to want to be there. Uh, so that was what always got my attention. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I mean, honestly, I would have just gone batshit crazy and I'm like, pick me. God damn it. I want to, you know, I, I want something, <laughs> uh, you know, and all throughout the show, uh, we have, you know, we've had fans, you know, ask questions, you know, what they would want to ask you, you know, if they can't be here in person. Uh, we have a couple of those regarding oh. pick boy. We yeah. have a couple regarding pick boy. Uh, Chris asks, do you still get called pick boy from time to time? No, uh, here, and here's the thing. Um, no one ever really knew it was me. Right. I didn't know so, until maybe 2012 when you kept doing brain surge. Right. And that was the thing is like, I never said who, I was pick boy. I, I got, I found great joy in keeping my superhero identity a secret. Um, that became a huge game to me. So I never admitted that I was pick boy. People never recognized me outside of costume, mm. which is crazy. That gives total, you know, you're always like, how do you not know it's Superman? It's just a pair of glasses. Clark Kent. <laughs> and I, I realized like that mask concealed enough of my identity that people never recognized me. Wow. Um, out of all the years of doing you pick, I may have been recognized three or four times out of costume. Wow. But it was only because I was at like another Nickelodeon event. Like I might have been at the Nick Hotel. I see. Yes. Were like, wait a minute. Um, <laughs> and then a, a bunch of years ago, like maybe uh, seven years ago or so, mm -hmm. uh, my daughter, when she was very young, so I must have been born seven years. Jeez, it must have been close to 10. Maybe <laughs> not that many. Seven to 10 years. I've never been good okay. with that. Um <laughs> She had a, a pick girl costume. The Nickelodeon costume people made her a really cool pick boy costume. So it was pick girl. Oh. And, and we were going to, um, I was running to Target and she was like, can I come? And I'm like, yeah, sure. And she was in her pick girl costume. <laughs> and I was like, all right, I'm, I'll take you over there like this. I don't care. And I was walking down the aisles with her and I was looking for something and I couldn't find it. And she's standing there and I turned to it like I saw uh, you know, someone who worked there. And I was like, Hey, do you know where the hot dogs are or whatever? And he looked at me, looked down at my daughter, <laughs> saw the costume, <laughs> looked up, back up at me and went, Oh yeah. And then he, you know, like, he made the realization of like, Oh, Oh my God. You're and, and, and like I said, he was that perfect age. He was, you know, he was like your age. He grew up watching the show. He knew wow. who I was. And he didn't say anything, but it was all like, that's so cool. He came like barreling back into the eyes. Like, Here's your hot dogs. <laughs> <laughs> so no. Yeah. So people don't never really did call me pick. And here's a fun, here's a fun fact. Again, yeah. I don't think I've ever shared this. Okay. Um, even when we were doing the show um, and like I said, I was a producer and pick boy. Yes. If I was in costume, no matter what, and this was an unspoken thing. This was not something that we, we made this rule up. It just happened. Right. If I was in costume, 
Everyone called me Pickboy. Nobody called me Jeff. Ah, that makes if sense. If I was dressed like, you know, in my civilian clothes. Yes. Nobody ever said Pick, no one ever called me pick boy, ever called me Jack. And again, this was not something that we sat down and, and talked about. I never said, ah, oh, don't call me that. Oh, it's just like everyone on the crew, on the staff, everybody just, it, it was like, oh, hey, pick boy. And, and they, became, it's like literally two different people. Exactly. And it, in, in some ways, they were both very much the same. Uh, in other ways, they were completely different. And, uh, Everyone was very good about driving that line right down the middle. And, and it, th- those worlds rarely collided, um, which was awesome to be able to keep that separate. There was Nickelodeon would have bring your kids to work day. Okay. And some, some of the employees I got, you know, I worked on the 37th floor while we were producing during the day, getting mm-hmm. ready for the show at night. And, um, <laughs> People would, you know, employees would come over to my desk and go, hey, tomorrow when I bring my kids work, can I bring them by so they can meet you? Mm -hmm. And I said, absolutely. I'll tell you right now, like, unless I'm in costume, they won't care. (laughs) I said, I'm more than happy to to meet them, take pictures, do whatever you want. I'll do whatever you want. I said, but if I'm not dressed, like... (laughs) They won't know who I am. And they're like, no, no, my kid will know. My kid will know. I promise. Time and time again, never failed. They would walk their kid over and they'd be like, this is him. And they would just go, that's not pick boy. They would never. And I'm like, I, I told you. Yeah. And so I would always say like, hey, look, if you're still here at 3.30, I'll be in costume just down on the 10th floor. Bring your kid by. And they'll be able to meet me in costume, you know? So there you go. It was always, it was fun to see, like I said, there was a clear divide between. So, so short answer, no, people do not call me big boy. Ah, and I have a a one last question before we go to a quick break. Uh, Hannah, she asks, do you still have the big boy costume? I think you already answered that, but do you still have the big boy costume? Hmm. I still have the pick boy costume. Uh, I have, well, there was different costumes throughout the years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I have like bits and pieces from all the different costumes throughout the years. Uh, so yeah, I guess is, I, I do. Um, have I put it on? No. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I don't expect you to. <laughs> I, well, I'm saving it. Because the first boyfriend that my daughter brings home, oh dear, I'm answer the door in full As n- <laughs> and we're really gonna get a, we're gonna get to test the personality right out of the gate. Oh my god, is this guy willing to play in the sandbox? We'll find out. Oh god, was this kid a Nickelodeon kid or did he grow up with <laughs> Disney Channel? I don't yeah. know. <laughs> and even if he didn't, I'm just I'm going for the embarrassment factor. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> all dads do that yeah. <laughs> all right we're gonna take a quick break we're gonna have a quick word from our sponsor knack bags but when we come back we're gonna discuss more with jeff sutfin on his time with brain search figure it out and of course his new his latest venture not his latest venture but his most recent venture as a host 101 ways to leave a game show this is the her show we'll be right back 
Hey everyone, it's Hirsch. Right now, I want to take a few moments of your time to talk about today's sponsor, Mac. If you're like me, I'm constantly on the move, whether it's for business or leisure. And since I cannot stay away from my work, I need my laptop, tablet, and my phone with me at all times. With that being said, carrying all those gadgets can be a bit of a hassle. So I needed to find a way to safely carry all of my electronics with style, since everyone apparently judges how you look. That's when I found Knack. With Knack, there's no need to choose between style and functionality, design for professionals who need function and convenience without looking like a student. With its patented design, Knack is the first backpack that expands for more capacity when you need it. The sleek exterior, organized interior, and professional appearance help you look your best at the office or out in the world. Now, this is what I want you to do. Get a Knack bag today and stop worrying about how you look when carrying your life essentials. Use the promo code Hirsch, and for a limited time, get a free TSA-approved lock with your purchase. Just add the TSA lock to your cart with your Knack bag of choice. I got olive green because that's my favorite color. And use the code Hirsch at checkout to get it for free. Go to KnackBags.com for your chance to get a bag yourself. And now back to the show. All right. Thank you so much for checking in that sponsor. We will have a link for you so you can purchase your own laptop bag. Uh, Jeff Sutman still with us. A lot of great uh, insight from his time with Nickelodeon. And we're going to continue with that uh, with Brain Surge, one of my favorite shows uh, growing up uh, in elementary school. Had a good long run. And uh, I want to talk about how that came to be, how you ended up getting that role as the presenter. Okay, so that was, uh, that was, they called me to audition. And uh, I was, I was like, yeah, sure. Um, at that point, I had been pick boy on there for about seven years. So while I was incredibly excited to be considered, uh, I was also a little puzzled. Like, ah, you guys know what I do. <laughs> you know my personality. You know, uh, so, um, but anyway, I, I came in, I auditioned. They liked what they saw. They said, you know, then they narrowed down to audition. I think I auditioned like three times. And wow. it was one of these things where, and I knew the other people that they were considering. And I was good friends with them. So that was weird. Like we went out to dinner, I think the night before, and we were talking about what we were going to do. So it was, I was like friendly with those people. Um, and then one of my very close friends, uh, Jay Boogie, I don't know if you remember him from Team Nick. Oh, I think I do. I, that yeah. name sounds really familiar. Yeah. So, so me and Jay Boogie, he's he's actually been texting me during this. Uh, <laughs> uh, he actually, he actually hosted the pilot. Oh, really? And so that was really strange because I was like, "Hey, uh, remember that pilot we did? Well, I I'm gonna be the host." Uh, so it was really funny because like we we always had we had a great career. We used to do. Um, Kids Choice Awards together. Oh, wow. I would, I would produce him on Team Nick. He would, you know, so like we used to host things together. I was his producer at times. So it was, it was cool. We're very good friends. And um, so he said, you know, um, that was really cool. So I ended up getting the host gig to do it. And this was really kind of my first, um, while I had obviously done a ton of TV at that point. Right. This was really my first time doing a game show. Uh, and, and becoming, you know, a game show host. And uh, I got to, I, they surrounded me with this incredible team of amazing producers, um, Aaron Solomon, who you know, yep. uh, who was just 
you know, he knew anything and everything about every game show. So he was really like, he really helped coach me through, Hey, look, here's like, be able to, you know, recap scores here, recognize this, like, cause now you have a potential come from behind figure. So he was really him and a few other producers really good at uh, coaching me through and recognizing like, Oh, here, you know, it's not just about, Here's, here's how we play the game. Let's meet the contestants. Let's play. There's all those little intricacies of building moments and building that drama, um, even if it's just short moments. Uh, and that's what I think really helped me become a very successful uh, game show host because I, I quickly realized, like, wow, this is a completely different beast than, than what I'm used to, besides the fact that I'm not in a spandex. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> well, for comfort's sake, I just had him on underneath. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but it was great. I, I, I loved it. I mean, Brain Surge was unbelievably fun. I met, um, besides meeting Aaron, uh, Tim Beggy, who is now one of my best friends. I mean, I talk to Tim every day. We work together on Ryan's Mystery Play Day. He co-produces with me. Um, we create shows. We have a. We actually have a game show that we're pitching to Nickelodeon right now. It's in development. So uh, Tim Biggie is amazing. And his background, of course, he was from MTV Road Rules and uh, a bunch of, you know, Fox Sports and History Channels. I mean, he, his his hosting career is, is probably more prolific than mine. And, and just, again, having another host producer alongside me who could walk me through like, hey, Here's, you know, here's a, a funny one line or stuff like that. It, invaluable. And so besides the fact that it was an amazing show, I, I met amazing people and developed even more great friendships. David Hurwitz, who was the exec producer on that, Scott Stone, mm-hmm. and all these names might mean nothing to everybody listening, but <laughs> Scott Stone was uh, instrumental. He was one of the creators of Legends of the Hidden Temple. Yep. Uh, among other amazing game shows, uh, David Hurwitz was one of the main people on Fear Factor, main, you know, exact producers of Fear Factor back in the day, and has done. I, I can you know sit here and do the resumes all day long, but I was <laughs> I felt so privileged that like, oh my gosh, Clay Newbill who runs Shark Tank for crying out, I mean the the people that they had the safety net underneath me was immense. And the amount of knowledge that these people could give me was incredible. And I was just like, I was soaking that up. And again, that just led to the next thing. You know, it was like David Hurwitz was close friends with Matt Kunitz. And Matt Kunitz was the one who hired me for 101 Ways to Leave the Game Show. So I, I was able to kind of stay within that that microcosm of amazing producers. I, I feel, even to this day, I feel so incredibly fortunate that I had this accidental career and not only did I have this accidental career, but the people that I was aligned with, it's amazing. I mean, it's absolutely amazing. If you look at like how fortunate I was to work with some of the best people in the industry, I I, I can't say enough about all of them. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I've been very fortunate myself to work with some very talented people who have gone on to do so many amazing things. Um, it, not only in just television, but either in radio or even marketing, PR management. Uh, it is absolutely incredible to see how many of these people have been doing, you know, just so amazingly. Um, and, you know, 
I want to continue on with Brain Surge uh, as far as, you know, the people that you had on the show itself. Uh, one of my favorites was the All Star uh, special with uh, Candace Kevin Bure, Anthony Anderson, Larry King of all people. Oh, yeah. God rest his soul. Um, uh, and I was overhearing a, another show that you were on, another podcast you were on, that there could have been a potential major incident with Mr. King. <laughs> so, uh, so we were, if you remember in round one of Brain Surge, everyone was stood at a podium and there was a two tier. So there was the first level and then there was like a step up and then there yes. was the second level. We had Larry King on the first level, him and his son. And then right behind him is a little step up and that's where Anthony Anderson was. Right. Well, when we were loading people in to get them all situated, you know, as you know, Larry King was, I, I think he invented water. Um, <laughs> he was that old at that yeah, point. As you said, great, great guy, incredibly talented. Um, he was not the most agile person, agile. Uh, and so, like, as he was stepping in, he was kind of moving around and and he stepped back. And I think he kind of hit that step that was behind him and he started mm. to go down. And I was standing right there. Anthony Anderson stepped out from behind the podium, caught, caught him before he fell, wow. and I propped him back up. <laughs> almost like a, like a wax you know statue that was going out oh my and god right in, and like oh, as if nothing happened he just like stands at his podium anthony anderson i'm looking at anthony anderson he looks at me no one else saw it and, he, and anthony anderson just goes you don't want that I, I think i said nice reflexes and he says you don't want that lawsuit. No, <laughs> you was, don't. That was the entire exchange. Anthony Anderson just like walked back to his podium. <laughs> <laughs> his was just like, oh my God. And then so, uh, yeah, that, after that whole exchange, yeah, boom. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, yeah, here we go. Welcome to the show. Uh, so. Oh God. Uh, yeah, one of my favorite parts about the whole show, it was actually not the brain drain. It was the bonus game where you had to memorize the patterns and step on the little buttons and oh, yeah. you know, you, you and then you win the, the the little prizes, and of course the slime, the slime. You can't beat the slime. Um, uh, was there ever somebody who ended up getting to the bonus game was like, no, nah, I don't want the slime. What am I doing here? No, brain surge was always good. Like the kids were always excited and, and ready for the slime. If they made all, if they completed all three paths in ninety seconds or less. Here's what you're going to win. Um, They, uh, they were always all for it. You know, they, they knew like, let me hit that button, figure it out was different. Figure it out. There was a few people who were like, "Eh, I don't know if I want the slime. So there was always a a great kind of, you know, struggle with that, that show, but brain search, everyone was all in, you know, and the other thing is too, we were always moving so fast where it was like, you got to run, hit that button. You know, because they were racing that clock, and that was always the thing too. It's like you put a clock on something. Oh, and the, then the intensity the just grows. That they're thinking about anything else other than stopping that clock is is slim to none. So they would run up, hit that button as soon as I saw them hit that button. I ran in and I would always grab them too. <laughs> you know, buckle in here it comes. And part of that was not necessarily to make sure they didn't, you know, like try and get away from it. The other part is like slime is incredibly slippery. Oh yeah. We were on a steel grate. So like most of it would slot, you know, go through. So it wouldn't pool up around us, but still even walking in and out. So I was, you know, taken from a guy who has fallen many of times, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, 
ass over tea kettle, you know, on the slime. I was always super good. I didn't want like a kid or a guest. Oh yeah. God I was forbid. always kind of like, I would do, you know, it's like, you know, Hey, tune in tomorrow to watch a you know, brand new episode where, you know, kids go head to head to head to head to head on all the brands here. Take watch Mayfield New York. And as soon as they went, we're clear. I would turn to that kid and go, don't move. I don't want you to slip and fall. Like as soon as you're off camera, I immediately went into like producer mode of like, here's what's going to happen. We're going to get you cleaned up. We're going to lay some towels out. You're going to walk over there. We're going to get you new. Sh- you know, and it was, and then they had on any of those shows, you have a full team that just deals with mess, mm-hmm. whether it's making the mess, whether it's cleaning up the mess, they have uh, stacks of towels, you know, they have a whole system down, you know, squeezy the floor, hose comes out. It, it's crazy. It is amazing. To watch I'm, I'm surprised. I'm surprised that Nickelodeon doesn't have a, like their own towel company, you know, they with should. all the with all the slime that they produce. Yeah. And, and yeah, I mean, I've never felt like the current slime that they have, but I can imagine it, it feels like say you like drop like shampoo on the floor and you're slipping and sliding, you know, it, it's, it's, it's very dangerous. It's super slippery and there's nothing like even on Ryan's mystery playdate, you know, we, we would deal with the slime and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. We were always looking to have, um, you know, we would get um, slip resistant floors, you know, yeah. like this is, these are the tiles they use in hospitals. And it's like, yeah, you can have all that stuff. And that might help a little, you can wear this certain type of shoe. You can do right. this, but when it comes down to it, it's, it's, I mean, it's like trying to walk on a buttered floor. It, yeah. You're going to fall. It's just, it's, it's a numbers game. So you just do the best to, you know, mitigate as much damage as possible. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> I remember one year at kids choice awards. Um, we, it was during the, the, the orange carpet pre-show we had slimed someone yes. and we were live on air and I, I had, you know, I think Jay Boogie was starting to say something and I, I leaned into the, the person I was just slime. I was like, be careful. It's really slippery. As I was saying slippery, I went, whoosh, Oh, jeez! I mean, straight on my back, live on air. Ah. Um, and it was just, and again, I mean, it's this classic, like instant karma situation. Of course. So. Yeah. Just, just eating, eating dog dirt on the orange <laughs> carpet. <laughs> I mean, uh, I'd never been slimed, so I, of course, never knew what it was like. I've never had that privilege to go to Nickelodeon Studios or whatever. I, I wish I did. Yeah, uh, you know, you always had the one thing you're like, ah, oh, you, you know, you wish you did this, blah blah blah. Right. Uh, but you know, I can imagine that that must have been a huge thrill for the kids. You know, not because they won all these prizes, but hey, I got covered in this green goop that everyone's associating Nickelodeon yeah, with. Exactly, as you say, it is kind of this like. You know, it's a bucket list item. It's a rite of passage. And I feel incredibly honored that not only have I been slimed, I, I people ask me like, oh, how many times have you been slimed? It's like, yeah, I've easily over a hundred times I, I've lost count. I mean, it's it trying to keep track of that became very impossible. But it is, you know, and, and all the times I've been slimed, I don't think I was ever like, oh yeah. again. You know, make no mistake about it. When we were shooting brain surgery, shooting five episodes a day, there was days where I got slimed five, six times a day. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a lot of showering. And my skin was like on fire because like at that point, my skin was so dry from all this. <laughs> and I mean, like days later, I would find like, I, you know, itch my ears. I'm like, what? How do I have slime? Oh, 
Like that was three days ago. It just it gets <laughs> everywhere. You'll find it in places. You're just like people will be like, "What? What? You got something green?" I'm like, "Oh, oh God." But yeah, it was. It's great. It's awesome. It's fun. It's messy. It's slippery. Oh yeah, it's Nickelodeon slime. You can't get it anywhere else. <laughs> I still wish they made like the green slime shampoo. It's like a. Uh, 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 it turn uh, won't turn you green, get you clean. Uh, won't uh, turns you get you clean, won't turn you green. I forget the the, the whole slogan. Um, now I want to quickly move on to the figure it out because you mentioned that there were you know some people that did not want to get slimed, and uh, I'm going to show the people at home, and you're going to see this too. Uh, this this one kid uh, who uh, yeah, yeah who decided that hey uh, the slime's not for me. No, this is, this is, uh, Kyle, this was my favorite moment I, of everything I've ever hosted. This moment was hands down my most favorite thing of all time. And <laughs> uh, what was great is he said he was fine with getting slime before the show started. We always ask. And he said he was fine. And in this moment, he decided he was not fine with it. And he had cat-like reflexes. And he got out of there real quick. And I kind of was like, mm, yeah. That is uh, my playground, my rules. You don't get to you don't get to run away. Yeah, uh, no, especially when it's slime. I mean, yeah, come so on. None of none of that was planned. That was all a one hundred percent like, oh my gosh, this is happening. <laughs> and that was one of those things where, again, as I mentioned earlier, figure it out. They were very formulaic about it. we go from here, we go from here. You throw to a price copy, you come back, you start the clock, you do this, you recap, you. So when that happened and I was like that, those are moments that I live for that <laughs> insane chaos. You never know what's going to happen. Like, I love that energy. And so when that happened, I was like, game on, like me and you were going toe to toe. So I just, and he, and when he took off backstage, <laughs> I, just turned, I, I turned, you know, they, they cut it down, but I turned right. my cameraman and I pointed, I was like, let's go. And like, <laughs> you, you know, the camera assistant starts throwing out all the cable and the camera behind me. And it was, it was like insane. I, it was just kind of, again, that was one of those moments where like my producer hat kicked in and it was like, Oh, we can, we can't let him go. I need to be able to tie this back to the show. So I ran, yeah. grabbed him. And the guys, <laughs> the guys who operate the slime had a setup that was, just off, like if this was the podium I stood at, uh-huh. they were just they were just off to my uh, that's my left. They were just mm-hmm. off to my left behind me. So if you notice, there is kind of like a like a head nod. Uh-huh. I'm nodding to Omar was his name, yeah. and I was like, you know, like hit it, buddy, like, <laughs> and just kind of unleashed everything. <laughs> I was like, this kid's not going to sit here much longer. So uh, yeah, it was again like. Great, great relationship with the slime, the slime masters uh, at there. <clears throat> so, I mean, again, the figure it out was one of those shows that I wish, you know, I wish I had some sort of crazy town like I could lay on a bed of nails or uh, I, I remember there was one kid on the original show whose talent was he could. Like make the shapes of state by eating pieces of cheese. Like that's that's one I remember. I'm like, if that's what you got to do to get on TV, where the hell do I sign up? I mean, like (laughs) this this is the standard we're operating at. Okay, yeah, (laughs) it was funny. You get a lot of um, 
I would sometimes see some of the audition tapes, you know, because they put out the the call like, hey, we're looking for kids with amazing skills. Tommy's they had, you know, the yeah. thing. And I would shoot promos to to get people to submit. And there were so many of like, look, I'm double jointed. And they could, you know, like, but it's like, yeah, yeah, I can do that yeah, too. I mean, like, I, I can bend my thumb back to my wrist, you know. And it was just like, there must have been a, been a thousand of those tapes. Uh, <laughs> but again, every once in a while, you get that like one special, like, oh man, that kid's amazing. And I think one of my favorite, we always, we had this kid who was a whip expert. Oh, wow. He came on, he's got the little, you know, cowboy hat and he, and yeah, he'd like, Jeez. whip like a piece of spaghetti out of my mouth. Wow. And he was awesome. And he was, I was just like, dude, you do birthday parties. I'll sign you up right now. Oh my God. He was awesome. Oh my God. I mean, I, I just, there there are some kids on that show that I just like, okay, you win. I'll never be good enough. <laughs> uh, I got a couple more fan questions uh, regarding yeah. brain, yeah, brain search and figure it out. Before we go on to uh, the final topic of our show, uh, we have Dylan uh, who asks, who says, I loved brain surge and I'm surprised that it isn't on uh, streaming platforms like Paramount Plus. Why is this the case? Uh, that is a very good question, Dylan. I wish I had the answer. Um, I periodically check too, because it's, uh, like, Oh, I wonder if they, I, I have Paramount plus and I have kids and yeah, not that I'm like, Hey kids come down and watch your dad. Uh, <laughs> uh, I don't, you know, I've never really talked to them about that. I mean, they're aware of it, but they've never, there was one point where my daughter, who's a little older now, she, once she figured out how to Google things, she started Googling me and she started watching episodes of Brain Surge on, on uh, YouTube and stuff like that. She's like, oh my gosh, daddy. And she, after everyone, she's like, my score is 70, 70 points right now. She's like, do you remember the puzzle where you did this? I got it right. And, uh, and started playing along. Um, yeah, I don't know why it's not on there. Uh, I, don't, I don't even think, if I'm mistaken, I don't even think they have the figured out episodes that I hosted. Oh, really? I don't think they do. I think, I don't know. I might, did I do something wrong? Nicola <laughs> Paramount? Not even Summer Sanders. I mean, I posted you know, over 700 episodes of TV for you. Why are none of them on there? We'll never uh, know. I guess we'll never know. <laughs> yeah. So when you guys are hashtagging trying to get Pick Boy back to the Super Bowl or Kids' Choice Awards, mm-hmm. whatever it is, you can also start hashtagging uh, Brain Surge on Paramount Plus. Yeah, Brain Surge on Paramount Plus. Absolutely. Yeah, we, honestly, and this is not, I mean, I'm not. A shameless plug or anything like that. Yeah, but Brain Search is one of those shows that not only I, in my opinion, is great for kids. Uh, I think that's a really being a family man now myself. Uh, I think that's a, a really fun family show. Like the co-viewing, like if you have families who want to sit down and hey, let's watch something together. I feel like that's a a really fun show. Oh yeah, yeah. It was one of those shows that I honestly thought should have lasted longer than it did. You know, it could have gone on much longer. Uh, you know, Kyle, we're, we're, I'm telling you, you got. You, if you're an executive, I'll come host any of your game shows. You, you're going to keep it on forever. Keep me employed. I, 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 you know what? I will. See, this you. is why I'm trying to align myself with more Kyles. See, you see, we, you know, this, this, this is this is what we need to do. We need we, we need more Kyles in this world. 
do better mothers okay (laughs) (laughs) all right so uh last thing uh 101 ways to leave a game show uh so this was a big jump for you you going from a cable network to primetime network television so this this is all about fear factor taking um, a notch higher so uh, how did you learn about this concept and of course how did you get involved with this uh this was one of those like the the moons aligned perfectly uh i was doing brain surge at the time and uh season three was just about season two was just about to premiere and i had gotten a call for i think my agents or whatever had gotten hey there's an audition they want you to go one of the exec producers of the second season of Brain Surge was an exec producer on 101 Ways. So he called me and said, hey, would you want to come in and audition for us? I was like, absolutely. So he kind of gave me a little bit of an inside scoop. Uh, the main executive producer uh, was Matt Kunitz, who was friends with the other exec producer on Brain Surge, David Hurwitz. They worked together on Fear Factor. So David Hurwitz put in a good word for me. And then uh, that day, the day of my audition, Brain Search Season 2 is premiering. The Friday before, Entertainment Weekly magazine came out and gave Brain Search an A. With I had a little picture in there of me going, yeah, covered in slime. It's like I'm <laughs> A, only A I've ever gotten in my life. Right. <laughs> um, and, my, and then that morning, I was on like Good Day LA promoting the premiere I went straight from that to the audition and the lady at the audition, the casting director was like, Oh, I just saw you on good day LA. So it was that perfect, like water cooler talk of like the magazine article came out. We were mm-hmm. premiering that night. I was just on TV. The casting director saw me. There was an exec producer that was working from brain search is now working on this. The other main exec producer was friends with that exec producer. And it was just that perfect culmination of like, everything coming together. And my thing was, as long as I do the audition that I, you know, my way, I'll, I'll, you know, that's the most I can do. So I did when I, my, my approach on auditioning was, and it took me a long time to figure this out was I had to do the, do the audition the way I would want to do the show. Right. And, and, and bring my personality. Cause that's what, you know, I, I've always says like, I do one thing better than anybody and that's be Jeff. Nobody does Jeff Sutton better than me. And so that was always my approach. And if I can go in there and leave the, the room with a good impression of what it would be like to work with me and my style and my tone and my humor, that's the best I can do. If they don't pick me, as long as I gave them what I thought was the best, that's all I can do. So I went in, I had a really good audition, what I felt was a good audition. I came home. My wife said, how'd it go? I said, I think I did really well, but they're never going to pick me. They'll go with like a Dean Kane. That was always my joke. I was like, they're going <laughs> Dean Kane. Uh, because it was, and again, this was kind of when they were starting to put celebrities into stuff. And I was just like, they're not going to go with some host who does kids TV. And um, as it turns out, all the ABC executives, all the Endemol executives, and all the show executives all had kids who were watching Brain Search. And so it was one of those things where they were like, it's like they had been in the clicked. room. That, yeah, exactly. They'd all been in the room and had seen me do my thing on TV. 
And they were like, hey, we like this guy. And that was really kind of, you know, I, again, I owe a lot to uh, my relationships that I created over the years and helped me um, grow as a host, as a producer. And this was, again, this was that perfect moment of everything just lining up. And, and that was a point in time in my career where I was ready to make that jump. I had learned so much from everybody around me. And I was, again, that, that safety net was there. And it was, it was like, let's do it. Let's go. And I had asked, I had said, like, when, when they hired me, Matt had said to me, um, I, I said, Hey, just, I'm not fishing for a compliment here, but why me? And he says, we look at everybody. We, we really, we auditioned people across the country, New York, Chicago, LA, Miami, everybody. We saw everybody. And he said, what everyone liked about you is no one felt you were hosting. Everyone felt like you were just talking with everybody. And that's my style. I don't, I, you know, I've always just been like, I didn't talk down to, I never talked to the kids. I never talked down to them. I don't talk down to my kids. Like I, to me, I always look at them as like, I can talk to you like you're a peer. I have the maturity level of an eight year old. You're eight. We can get along. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so that was always my thing. I, I never felt like I needed to be like, welcome to the show. I'm your host. You know, it was just always kind of like, Hey, you know, I'm going to do what this, and that was ultimately what, what got me the job was that ability to just be not hosty and just be like, you know, Hey, we're here talking about how we're going to blow up this thing, drive a truck off a cliff and have a helicopter fly over and give us a haircut. There you, go. you know, <laughs> and that was, you know, like I said, I, there was a moment there where right before we got the first shot, I got a little nervous. One of the very few times I ever got nervous. Cause as you pointed out, this was a huge jump. This is big. This is network primetime, our format. You're responsible for this big, huge thing. And I got a little nervous. I was like, oh man, am I, is this the moment I get found out? Is this the moment everyone realizes that I don't belong here? I'm a producer who has been faking this entire hosting thing. This is the moment I'm going to get, you know, the gig is up. And then I just remembered like, wait a minute. They hired me to be me. Okay. And like, as soon as I was able to remember that, it, I, and I was thinking of that, like literally as the, the stage manager was like three, two. And it was like, as soon as he pointed his finger, I was like, Oh, it's, it's, it's my time. Here we go. And that, and that was it. I never, never looked back, never thought you know twice about it. And there you were on primetime network television. There you go. <laughs> uh, one last fan question. Uh, Pat, he writes, uh, what did you enjoy the most about hosting 101 Ways? Um, again, I know this may sound redundant, but I was once again introduced to a bunch of incredible people. Um, people that I still am mean, very friendly with. I still talk to uh, it, on a weekly basis, I still work with them when I, when I can, I loved that. I got to meet more awesome people and I've been able to maintain those friendships first and foremost. Um, I loved going and seeing what they had planned every day. I never sat through any of the stunt testing. I would show up and go, all right, what are we doing today? And they'd go, oh, I'll show you. We've got this truck. 
we've got a helicopter, we've got a monster truck, we're going to do this, this, and I was just like, how are we doing this without killing someone? Exactly. Uh, and they were like, you'll see. And that was always the thing. Is like all my reactions, I'm not an actor, all my reactions on the show are real because I'm seeing it for the first time just like everybody else. And so that was really fun. But the most, I think the, the most fun I had was at the end of every show when we would get to go up on the tower yep. and I got to eject people. So that's what... Oh, there it is. That's there's the plunger. There's the button. <laughs> That's it right there. That, ah! that, that is the, the ejection button from safety off. Yeah. That's so cool. I, I could I you know I, I could just sit here and just talk game shows and do, talk whatever with you all day. Uh Jeff Sutfin, you've been incredible this uh We've been going on for about an hour. This is uh, this has been crazy, uh, Jeff. Uh, maybe we'll see. Uh, we'll cross paths one day. Who knows? <laughs> I you, you say the word, and I'll I'll come. You know, shoot my mouth off. I rarely miss an opportunity to uh, talk shop. So, Jeff, my friend, uh, you've been incredible. I thank you for coming on the show and kicking off our second season. Kyle, thank you so much. I am glad that I could be your uh, first guest to your second season. Absolutely. Uh, guys, we'll be back next week for another exciting episode of The Hearst Show. Thank you for watching and listening. Mayfield, New York. The preceding episode of The Hearst Show was presented by Mac, hosted by Kyle Hershon, produced by Kyle Hershon and Nick Morgison. Additional voiceover provided by Jerry Houston. Podcast hosting provided by Buzzsprout, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Be sure to follow The Hearst Show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And be sure to watch the video version of The Hearst Show on our YouTube channel. This has been a production of the Empty the Bench Podcast Network. Copyright 2022. All rights reserved.